What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara, and with me, as always, is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And it was an enjoyable week five that we had uh, this past week. All the fun did not just occur on Friday night. There was a big buildup uh, leading into our game of the week uh, between the Florence Gophers and the Coolidge Bears. What were your thoughts on how uh, both communities came together to make this Friday night fever happen? It was amazing because um, there were multiple times where Coolidge and Florence fell behind and we thought that they might actually not get the coverage from uh, NBC 12 who Shout out to Cam Cox. You know, they ended up winning the vote by 60%. And they ended up uh, earning, you know, the right to have Channel 12 come down and cover their game. And they did not disappoint, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I thought from uh, start to finish, this game lived up to the hype, which we knew was going to come. Uh, you know, Coolidge trying to bounce back from their uh, game against Combs. And then Florence kind of riding high on a four-game winning streak. You know, uh, both of them were going to clash come Friday night. And it was just that, you know, uh, at times the game got a little bit chippy. We did see uh, Josh Jackson, unfortunately, get knocked out of the game uh, early on. It definitely made an impact as far as the run game went for Florence uh, throughout the rest of the night. But uh, then you also seen uh, how undisciplined Coolidge was throughout the game. Not only some costly uh, defensive uh, encroachments uh, penalties, but as well as some unsportsmanlike uh, penalties that definitely uh, impacted the game and unfortunately cost him a, a player in uh, Belcom. Like, what were your thoughts? What did you see uh, during that moment when he had made contact with the referee? Um, well, after, well, let's go back a little bit. Just before that play, uh, Isaiah Martinez got a good tackle on Belcom and took him down. And as he was taking him down, like you said, things got a little chippy. You know, you 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 not necessarily flex, but you keep the player down a little bit as as much as you can. Then you start to get up, and then I seen the referee come in to try to separate the players because he, you know, he obviously had seen it too. Um, one thing I did notice is that Belcom did not look back once. He kept his eyes on the sideline. He was mainly focused on the Coolidge crowd. And as soon as he was getting up, the referee got closer and closer and was trying to separate the two. And as he separated the two, that's when Belcom threw his hand up and made contact with the referee. And it was quick and it was unfortunate, but they ejected him. And, and the thing that sucks is they didn't lose him just for the rest of that game. This next game, which is going to be a good team, and we'll get into that later, he's out too. And we, we got to speak to Miss Hodge after the game, and she said, not that player. That's not a player that gets ejected. And that's for good reason, because Belcom is not that guy. He's not the guy to, to, to have a hot head and get thrown out of a game. That I feel like that contact with the referee was completely accidental. But in the end, it, it cost him so much. No, I absolutely agree. I think that the one thing we didn't see when it came to the refs trying to handle the situation as far as the tension that was going on, is usually what you see is them give warning to each sideline, say, hey, this is it. Next time somebody gets out of line, they're done. You didn't see that. You didn't see anybody get a warning. And unfortunately, as the rules state, you cannot make contact with an official. I'm sure if Belcom was aware of the person that grabbed him, it wouldn't have been the, the situation that occurred. But it definitely was in the heat of the moment, and it definitely impacted the way uh, Coolidge was uh, able to run their offense, as well as he's a big-time defensive corner. And that was actually something that ended up costing them the game in the end. Yeah, because like you said, um, Josh Jackson got knocked out early in the game. And when he got knocked out, brother, he got knocked out. We got to see him, you know, in between, uh, you know, halftime and third, you know, when they were coming out. Uh, it, it's unfortunate to see, but we were glad that he didn't play another down. But what was uh, a little bit upsetting was after the fact he got hit, nobody from the sideline came to get him. The referee actually let him go on his own, and he was not in any shape to go walk to his own sideline. And I'm glad he's okay. I'm glad that we were able to talk to him the next day and check in with him and, and make sure he, he was doing good. But yeah, that that was a pretty scary moment. But at the same time, it didn't force Florence's hand to, to use their, their passing game, I feel like it ultimately fueled them to get them past them. Because one thing was for sure is they had a lot of options. There was It was one of the most physical games I've ever been to. And 
they it, it was just a real real good hard-hitting game wouldn't you agree Almost definitely. And, you know, um, let's get back into the play of the game. Everything that occurred uh, from start to finish. You've seen uh, Florence go up early uh, by two touchdowns, uh, executing a well-timed two-minute drill to score at the last second of the second quarter uh, by a a quarterback uh, sneak um, from uh, Logan. But then after that, their uh, offense got a little bit stagnant. They weren't able to score uh, the remainder of the game. And Coolidge had plenty of opportunities to execute on uh, some of the uh, great field position that they were given, uh, being that Florence couldn't drive down the field. But I think the key to the game was Coolidge needs to find a kicker. That That is one of my biggest points I've seen all season with Coolidge is that them not having a kicker already puts them in a hole. You have to constantly go for two points after every touchdown because you don't have nobody that can kick it through the uprights. And it's hurt them as much, you know, as much as they've converted, you know, against teams like Tempe, against teams like Sabino and Florence, it's ultimately have cost them the game. Yeah, because the final was 14 to 12. They scored twice. If they had a kicker and they didn't have to rely on trying to convert two points every time they scored, they could have went to overtime and had the possibility of winning. Like you said, they played a really good game. They were able to score after halftime in in where Florence wasn't. The thing that set them back so much was penalties. Penalties and the fact that it's a a, a rivalry game, you got to you got to know how to check yourself. You know that the first action isn't going to get called on. The second action or the 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 reciprocation is going to get called on. Is going to get the whistle blown. So if they they're talking trash to you or they put their hands on you, the best thing you can do is just put your hands up and walk away. But none of them did that. They fed into that Florence monster that 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 you know that they were jawing up. But one thing that that I want to commend them on is that they filled up that stand and then they had people staying on the outside so much that it was pretty much equal on the amount of support that was on the Coolidge side and on the Florence side. So they definitely helped feed into that feeling that was this a home game because there was so much support on the other side and and they were loud. They were proud of their team. And I just wish that the, the penalties weren't the reason why this game was so close. I think that ultimately, you know, I, I've said what I had to say about Coolidge and, you know, uh, them needing to be a little bit more disciplined, especially the unsportsmanlike uh, penalties, but... At the same time, I got to give credit to Florence for not only uh, being able to to win a close game against your rival, but to sit there and do it in a way you've not done it so far this season, which was be a little bit more dependent on the pass. I thought when Josh went down that Logan took command of the team and he on the offensive end kind of put him on his shoulders and he picked up a couple of crucial uh, passes that uh, gave him a couple first downs to run out the clock and a big uh, quarterback keeper uh, for five yards to kind of seal up the game. You know, I still got to give credit to uh, Florence for what they did because not only did you hold a good uh, Coolidge offense to only 12 points, you were down, you know, you're, you're pretty much your offensive executor all season and you were still able to do enough to win the game. And I will take a, a part out of what uh, Coach Hart said that night they faced adversity all year long. And, you know, now they're showing people, hey, what else do you got to say? You know, the last thing I got to say, the Coach Hart air is real. Yeah, it's real. They're 5-0 and for a reason. Um, it was funny to actually get to talk to some of the players at the end of the game. Um, one being Wrangler, you know, actually getting to catch up with him because we saw him go down, you know, in the second half of the game with a really bad hurt shoulder. And, you know, talking to him, he's like, uh, like, and he just said it like it was nothing. Yeah, it popped out. They popped it back in. Then I sat out for a play and I went back out. And I was like, damn. And I was like, you're good. He's like, yeah, I'll be out there in the next game. And then talking to Quaid, that was probably the best conversation. Oh, yeah. Because he was like, is this how you thought it was going to be? Is this what you said uh, uh, the last time? And we were like, what do, you, what, do you, what do you mean? He's like, well, everybody I've heard from the grapevine says that you think that we're going to lose. No, I was like, if you would have listened to last week's episode, we said it was y'all, like, for real, like, and we weren't switching it up, you know, in front of them because that's what we said, because something worried us about Coolidge. We couldn't put it together, but now we finally put it together. Like one of the main reasons why they're losing so bad 
is they're missing a kicker. One of the main reasons that they're given into penalties is because of their lack of discipline. And it doesn't just start, you know, at, you know, with the pads. It starts in the locker room with the coaches. And I'm pretty sure, you know, after this game, they're all going to get together and make sure that they're all on the same page. And the, and the common goal here is getting wins on both sides because you can't have a JV program that's losing and, and losing big and expect those same boys that are losing big in, in, in a lower tier game to perform in a higher, you know, a higher performing setting because that's ultimately what varsity is. You need to perform at your best. And they just need to look at, you know, go back to the the drawing board and rethink their game plan because the season is halfway done, but there's a lot of game left and, and you don't want the season to go down as the season where everybody gave up. Because mm-hmm. at one point it seemed like that, like everybody just gave up. Like they're they're they allowed to see the sight of yellow flags to just suck their teeth and just be like, oh, well, this is why we're losing. The, the, easy ex, the easiest excuse is to blame the referees. And, and we heard that a lot, too, especially from the Coolidge side. You know, some of the Coolidge parents were tearing into those refs. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, one thing I'll, I'll share is I heard a coach or a, I heard a referee on the sidelines say, hey, I'm callous to this. This this is nothing to me. I've heard way worse. And it's not hurting my feelings than him just go right back to work. Mm-hmm. And it, it speaks volumes when somebody says that, because that just shows you that that happens so often. And, and, and it's unfortunate because they're, they're trying to do their best and, and be, you know, as fair as they can. And then there's been plenty of times that we've been critical of refs too, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like anything that, that was anything that went wrong for one or either team was due to the officiating. It was all due to, Coolidge's lack of discipline and Florence's ability to get in their head. They, and we noticed it too on social media. They had so many times where they, you know, they got together. They, they were showing that school spirit. We, we know Florence is good for that. Mm-hmm. That's one of the main things that, you know, when they were, you know, our, you know, our rivals in that time, and we're like, man, we got to match that. And that's one thing that I see that's lacking too with Coolidge on their side is school spirit. They don't, they have a lot of uh, enthusiasm for certain players. But there's there's not a lot of love for the Bears, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think that's that's what the, that the whole community needs to think when they go to the next home game. Yeah, because um, I don't want this game to be the only time that I see the house packed at Coolidge. That's the way it should be every Friday night when Coolidge is taking the field. No matter what their record is, no matter you know who they're playing, like mm-hmm. that support can easily be done you saw it all it took was that this was the game of the week for friday night fever and everybody felt a part of it with the voting and everything like that but i hope that you know that's the case going down the road and you know speaking on that school spirit like that's the way you show these kids hey we we ain't gonna give up on you you know we're still here every friday night and i know there's some dedicated parents out there that are there every friday night on both sides of the ball uh but at the same time, you know, let's dive into uh, the upcoming matchups uh, for both Florence and Coolidge. But before we uh, get into that game, this is where uh, both uh, Coolidge and Florence uh, currently sit as far as the rankings go in 3A. Uh, Florence is sitting at 10 and uh, Coolidge is currently at 19. The top 16 teams uh, get in. Uh, in 2A and 3A, uh, we've uh, stated uh, multiple times that if you win uh, your region, you're an automatic bid. So I know uh, Florence is going to be uh, trying to take that game uh, against Eastmark because, you know, it's going to be a, definitely a big game. But for Florence uh, coming up, they're going to be taking on Chino Valley, who is currently 2-3 and three on the year. How do you see this one playing out? I don't see this going any other way than Florence coming out victorious. Right now, they're riding on a high that's just... You know, it's just too much for words. They're five and zero for the first time in a while. Um, like you said earlier, the coach Hart era is for real. We got to talk to so many players from Aiden to Tyler Potter about you know their thoughts of how this year is going and what's the difference. And and they all have nothing but positive things to say about Coach Hart. And one thing that I'll relay is you know we were talking to Coach Hart about 
the game against Eastmark and, you know, already going two weeks ahead. And he automatically brought us right back down to earth and said, no, nah, boys, I'm not even worried about that game yet. I'm worried about next week, which is Chino Valley. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, good on you, coach. You know, we, you know, we wish you all the best and, you know, good luck this season and congratulations on this big win tonight. And he went on his way. But I, yeah, th- there's no way that Florence drops this game. I see them going six and no. And if by chance they do, they have nothing to hang their heads about because I doubt that this is going to be a game where there's a huge separation between the two. Okay, I could see that. But now take into consideration, we don't know the health or the status of uh, their running back, Josh Jackson, for this week. What type of impact is that going to play for this game? Because we didn't see uh, Florence's offense really execute in the second half. Is Josh's absence, if he's not able to play Friday, going to impact the results of this game now see that's a tough one but at the same time they have a lot of good alternatives to josh um we saw quade lewis you know play his heart out out there he did not give up i think he would be a definite good option you know to follow up you know if josh is to sit out but it's seven days i think that you know by the time he hears this he's going to be like oh i'm ready to play but that's just the type of player he is but if if i know coach hart the you know the way i think i do I know that he's going to take it lightly on Josh and he's not going to, you know, try to give him a bulk load of the work. Yeah, I think he'll have to get cleared by the trainer before uh, they'll allow him to even practice. We'll try to get updated on that one uh, here uh, shortly. But now let's move into uh, Coolidge's uh, matchup. Uh, They're going to be traveling out to Parker. It's a game that they got uh, filled uh, for the ALA Anthem game. Uh, Parker actually sits at one and three on the year, which is a a pretty big surprise, uh, but did pick up their first victory against Wickenburg last week. And on Coolidge's side, uh, they are finally going to get Gianni uh, back in the lineup as he's finally done sitting out his uh, five games due to uh, the transfer uh, portal. What do you expect uh, come Friday night for the Coolidge Bears as they take on the Bronx? I don't know what to expect. I'm hoping that when they come out this Friday that there's not any of this this past nonsense, like let's say, um, that I, I don't, I'm not going to say that this whole difference is going to be all because Gianni. I feel like this whole difference is going to be because of the loss that they just suffered. That was tough. I mean, you know, Granted, they're, they're going to have to deal with the consequences, you know, from, from that loss, you know, forever now. But at the same time, this is a new game against a, an opponent that not a lot of people, you know, gave you a chance when they saw this opponent on your schedule. Because you, you're dropping ALA, uh, the new ALA, Anthem South, to pick up a harder opponent in Parker. But like you said, Parker is kind of underperforming this year. But do you think that that's going to stop them from trying to play Coolidge at their best? No, absolutely not. Um, I think that the big factor here is going to be what the the secondary can do against uh, Parker. I believe Parker has a pretty decent passing attack, if I if I'm not mistaken. But at the same time, you're down your best cornerback. We know Wanye has the capabilities to step up. Javante has proven each week he can step up. But who on that other side, whoever's starting on that other end, can you fill that void that? Belcom would provide on this defense we know that they're going to get the pass rush from um from their front four on the d line we see what uh maurice and uh gavin can do uh as linebackers i think that's going to be the biggest thing is can their secondary contain uh the passing attack of the bronx i think that they will i also think that having um a more experienced quarterback in gianni uh who has a quick uh, reaction button you know he whether it's getting the ball out quick or, you know, whether he needs to scramble, he can he has that instinct in him to recognize when he needs to go. And so I think you're going to finally see Coolidge, as long as they're disciplined, mesh as a team and get back in the win column this week. What about yourself? You know what? I'm going to say that they do. I'm going to say that this is the their chance to get right back into the winner's circle. Like I said, they had to suffer a really bad loss for them to get to to maybe get their fire. And there's no more freebies. You know, they have to win out. Sitting at 19 in the rankings this week, they have to win out. And we know that there's still two more tough matchups still ahead of them. So I think they need this one. If they want to keep their playoff hopes alive, they have to go out there and perform well, and they have to pick up the victory. 
But let's dive into uh, the uh, Casa Grande and Central game. That one uh, didn't look too promising for uh, CG uh, right out the gate uh, as they trailed at halftime. But still, somehow, they do what they do. Their second half adjustments prevailed them to uh, take home the victory 40-30 to against Central. How did you enjoy that victory uh, from the Cougars? I wasn't surprised. I, I knew that they were going to come back and win. I, one thing that did surprise me was that their defense allowed that many points because I wasn't used to that. With them uh, you know, shutting out their first two opponents, I was kind of expecting this to maybe, maybe, maybe just allow a field goal or two. But for them to get 30 points, it shows that, that Central was a really good opponent for them. And I feel like that was definitely necessary for the team that they're going to be facing this week, don't you? Oh, most definitely. They're going to be uh, taking on Castillo, who is 3-0. Should be one heck of a matchup as the Cougars have to travel on the road again. But what were some of your uh, highlighted players uh, from this Central game before we uh, dive in uh, to uh, the Cougars uh, matchup this week? Well, some of the players that stood out, there's one in particular that does. It's going to be Alterna Gant. He went 18 for 24, had 233 passing yards and two touchdowns. On the ground, he put in 11 carries for 123 yards. And and he was basically the catalyst for this offense in this game. If it wasn't really for their QB, uh, things would be quite different. And, and I think that the Bobcats could have proved to be the better big cat, but the Cougars came in and showed that their paws were just a little bit bigger. Yeah, and I'm really liking that one-two punch between uh, Fatty and uh, Dontrell Harris, who kind of is now establishing him as the RB1 uh, for the Cougars. But, you know, let's not even forget uh, uh, Nathan Long, seven receptions for 136 yards. I mean, these guys are able to stay in it, you know, from the offensive end. But like you said, uh, definitely was an off night for the defense. I'm sure that they're going to work on uh, how to clean these things up uh, for their next opponent in Castile. Do you feel that the Cougars can do enough to pick up a victory against Castile Friday night. I, I definitely think they can. It's not a, a, a question of whether they'll be able to, to to score. It's going to be a question of whether they're going to be able to withstand Castile's offensive attack. Uh, Castile has been putting it on a, a couple of good teams. Their first game, I think they won by, I think, almost 30 points. Their second game, they played against a, a team from California that they, they barely scraped by, but they, you know, they got a win nonetheless. And last week, they, they beat Williamsfield, which we know is a very talented school. And they beat them by just a touchdown. So that shows me one thing, that Casa Grande has the ability to not only score, but score in droves against them um it's just a matter of having their defense you know hold them in check and and not make it a close game because when i know that sometimes that you know you play a little bit better when you have a fire underneath you but sometimes it, it's not good when you you know let's let's jump back until the coolidge game it's not good to to have a fire underneath you when you're you're the one putting that wood under there but you're not doing anything to to, to get out of that fire mm-hmm. i think uh one of the biggest Holes that's going to have to get filled uh, Friday night. Uh, just found out this week that Andon Diaz uh, got hurt during that game, and it doesn't look like he's going to be playing at least for this game uh, coming up. So we know what type of presence he brings on the defensive end. So you know you're going to have to see guys like Luke and Grant and uh, that in that front four uh, put the pressure on Castile uh, just to make it a little bit easier on that secondary. But I'm not taking anything away from that secondary because they're all unique in their own ways and they bring they bring their own special characteristic to the team. And that's why that uh, defense is always on point, you know, uh, no matter what the players that they lost last year. But this is going to be the start of some very tough games for the Cougars. It's not going to be an easy stretch by any means, but I think the results of this game will let you know how close the Cougars are to those upper echelon teams. You know, because currently they, even though they're 3-0, and they rank uh, 11th in 5A. I know that's uh, I, I know the Cougar fans have to be upset about that. You know, they always feel, hey, and until they throw us off the throne, we're number one, you know. And but at the same time, now they're getting into that thick of things in the schedule where the season could look very, very good for them if they're out here beating these tough teams like Castile 
or it can drain them out the rest of the year. And, you know, so it's going to be something that we definitely got to keep our eyes on uh, after this week. But do you think that with Castle Grand coming into the thick of things that they'll be able to withstand this competition that they're playing? I think the, having that central game and, you know, for them to have to battle back is definitely setting them up for success, I would say. Um I do feel that they can compete with Castile. You know, Casagran hasn't shown me anything besides, of course, it's another team that's heavily penalized. But other than that, I don't see any holes right now on either side of the ball besides and in being out. You know, you, you're starting to see uh, DeAndre Kelly. He's doing his thing. He's been doing that since game one. And then here comes Nathan Long, who's now no longer in the backfield. Now he's lining up as a wideout. And he's making an impact. And then with the emergence of Dontrell Harris and Fatty seeming like he, uh, you know, is so comfortable in the pocket that I think that he's such a good dual threat quarterback. Oh, absolutely. And I think that you're not seeing I'm not seeing a weakness yet. I did see them, you know, have to face adversity. But other than that, I mean, they did what they needed to do. And that was when the ball game. Even better question. Do you think if they beat Castile and their opponent next week? that they'll be even looked at as top 10 material in 5A? I think they'll move into the top 10. I don't think they'll move very high just because of the other opponents that the 5A competition plays. And, you know, we saw that last year with uh, Casa Grande, you know. But I think that if they can get through their region play, you know, with one, two losses, I think that's a very big success. I know that they're not going to take that as acceptable, but at the same time, I feel that it's not going to be an easy journey and it's it's going to start Friday night. And I do feel I, I am going to say that Castle Grand will come out on top against Castile. I don't think it's going to be a, a blowout by any means, you know, or a two touchdown game. I'm counting this one about seven points or less, you know, and and that's how much respect I have for Castile. But at the same time, Casa Grande hasn't given me a reason to not believe. Yeah, there's zero doubt in me that Casa Grande is not going to go into this thing and pull it out. Um, Let's stay in the city of Casa Grande and talk about the game between Ironwood Ridge and Vista Grande. Um, Vista Grande went in there and got their first win. They ended up beating them 31 to 17. It it was a good surprise because I think we both kind of sided with Ironwood Ridge. No, 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 no. I'll take that back. I said that Ironwood Ridge was going to beat Vista. I was and gonna you say. stood behind Vista the whole way. Wait, I apologize. <laughs> That's exactly how it happened. But no, the Vista boys proved me wrong. And I'm glad they did, bro. Well, you know, I think I mentioned this in last week's episode. Talking to Coach Roberts, uh, he said it was one of the best weeks that they've had uh, as far as practice goes. And I thought that this was a game that that their opponent was about the same level as them, you know, both trying to um, get a win on the season. And I think that this is just going to give that young Vista Grande team more of a boost to uh, coming into this week and saying, hey, you know what? Why can't we make it two, two in a row, you know, and and it's against another opponent that I feel that they should beat. You know, uh, I didn't have uh, any stats from the Vista game uh, up to this point, but, you know, let's go into uh, their upcoming matchup against uh, Alhambra, an- another team that uh, is struggling. Uh, they're one and two on the year. Do you finally believe in Vista and think that they'll get a, a win this week? I tell you what, bro. I-, I believe Vista Grande has the guts to pull it out against the Alhambra Lions. They they are going to ride high off of this win. I-, I feel like the wins that the teams got last week were really crucial wins, especially this one, because if this one didn't go Vista's way, this could have been a really, really bad season. It would be a race between who's having a worse season, Vista or Maricopa. But this win kind of separated the two, and 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 hope hopefully it trajects them into the right direction. Um, against Alhambra, a team that has equally the same amount of struggles as them, they should have no problem putting them away. They have the the talent on that roster from top to bottom. We saw it during their media day that they had a, a really stacked roster. It's about being in the right place and putting themselves in the right position to win. Yeah, I feel that this should be, and I'm saying should be, because Vista's disappointed me in the past when it comes to the should-be games. But this should be a game that they win 
very easily. I'm expecting the same score as they had against Ironwood Ridge. I would like it to be even a bigger gap if it could be. But, you know, I think that if they can pick up this victory, like you said, it's going to help their confidence and be able to string things together to get on a three-game winning streak, hopefully, you know. And so uh, just a little bit about Alhambra. Only scored uh, 50 points on the season and have given up 111 points. So a team that definitely can be scored on. It's just uh, Vista needs to have that same attitude as they did against Ironwood Ridge. It's like, hey, you know what? Let's have another great week of practice and go and leave it out on the field because they definitely need this win in order to continue uh, that positivity in that locker room. No, and I, I hope they do. Like I said, I'm fully behind the Spartans in this one. Let's move down the road a little bit and talk about Sequoia Pathway. Sequoia Pathway played the Chandler Preb Knights and dropped that game 13 to 12. It was another one of the close games we had uh, this week, and it, it, it's unfortunate that that they you know put up a losing effort. But in the end, Coach Donnie he still has a lot of hope for this team. He he doesn't turn his back on on these boys. You know, not for a second. Um, he has all the hope for them. He's just and when we talk to him, that's the one thing that I noticed. He he doesn't seem disappointed. He he's a little taken back by the loss, but I'm having a really hard time trying to figure out the right words for it because i know i know there is disappointment there but it's not like an open disappointment where he's you know being discouraging he's just looking forward to the next week and making improvements i think the thing for uh sequoia pathway is you're starting to see their youth with a lot of their transfers having to sit out and um, unfortunately that didn't occur uh week one so now they have you know i think until week six before they come back so you got a freshman quarterback, uh, you know, you have a running back who's it's his first year in that position and 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 they're young. We thought they were going to be uh, very young coming into this season after losing, I believe, 25 plus uh, seniors last year. But I think if they can weather this storm and this young core pick up a few victories before uh, those uh, transfer uh, students come back. I think Sequoia Pathway is going to be just fine. I think that's why you're not seeing Coach Donnie panic. And, you know, there's there's nothing in there that says, hey, you know what? This is why, you know, we lost because we're young. It wasn't that it was just hey, you know what? We're young and we just couldn't finish at the end of the day. And that and that's ultimately what I took from what he said. Let's not sugarcoat it and say that Chandler Prep was, you know, a walkthrough team by any means. You know, they were a very good team and we knew it was going to be close just because of how young Sequoia Pathway is. But I like I said, if they can weather this storm. And be able to pick up a, a victory that will help them um, in their rankings is to pick up this uh, win against uh, Arrete Prep uh, this Friday. Because uh, Arrete Prep sits at 3-1 and one, and currently uh, Sequoia Pathway ranks 11th. So as of right now, they're in the playoff hunt, you know, but this would be a big, big victory for them to, uh, to pick up Friday. 100%. If they if they take down Arrete Prep, they are easily within the top 10 of 2A. That's the one thing that we don't have to worry about with Sequoia Pathway. It's respect. They get every bit of ounce of respect from everybody. It doesn't matter if it's from the AIA, their opponents, or, or anything like that. It, it's mainly because they they are a really sound team. Right now they're hitting some adversity a, a little bit because of their seniors and some, some of the off-field stuff. But I have hope for these boys. These boys are going to pull through, and then I look forward to seeing them and finding out who their first-round matchup is going to be for the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, Arreta Prep, I mean, they barely squeaked by uh, Glendale Prep, who was 1-3. Uh, they beat North Point. Uh, that's a team that Santa Cruz was on the verge of blowing out uh, if it wasn't for the forfeit. They beat them 61-0. to and beat San Pasquale Valley 49 to 6. So they have not I mean the only quality opponent that they did play was Miami which they lost 21 to 0. So that should go to show you they haven't really proved that they're a three a good 3 and 1 team, but at the same time Sequoia Pathway has to figure out how to get these young guys in positions to help them succeed on the field and uh, pick up a little bit more points. I think that once they find their rhythm again, look out because uh, they're going to take it to uh, Arrete Prep. And if you're Sequoia Pathway, this is kind of the opponent that you're wanting. Uh, an opponent that, that has a slightly better record than you, that you can take down, and not only take down, but you can take down hard. Uh, this was a game that in the beginning of the season, I knew that Sequoia Pathway was going to take. 
And I don't feel any different right now. Sequoia Pathway is going to be the right to prep. How do you feel about that? Oh, totally agree. I don't have to say anymore. You know, I just believe that much in the Pumas and uh, Coach Donnie and his staff. I mean, they're going to get them ready to play week in and week out. We already know that. Now it's just time to find that rhythm again that you had at the beginning of the season and uh, take it out on the Chargers. Let's move on into uh, the Maricopa and Skyline game, which uh, actually turned out to be a very good one uh, for uh, the Rams. Unfortunately, uh, they did come up short, losing 22 to 15. But what was your reaction uh, from seeing this box score? Um, You know that meme where Shrek is looking like with his eyes, like like he's trying to look over, like under his eyebrows and he's looking at him. I remember looking at the score, and then and then I'm like, ah, that's probably a mix-up. And then I'm going down the, the, the field, and you're like, bro, Maricopa is beating Skyline right now. And I was like, uh-uh. I was like, I, I thought that I saw that wrong, and I opened it up, pull it up on Max Preps. Yeah, they were winning. And to find out that they only lose by just a touchdown, I was so happy and proud of these boys. Like, I couldn't wait for the photos from Vincent um, because I knew that there were going to be some really good shots, you know, and – and I'm, I'm looking forward to who they're going to play this week. I know it's not going to be easy for them at all because they're playing a real tough quality opponent. And why don't you give them a little bit of detail into who that opponent is? So they're going to be taking on Sunrise Mountain. And Sunrise Mountain's uh, one and two on the year, but don't let that uh, record fool you because they are definitely a tough opponent. And, and that's just what makes me hurt for the Rams, man, is three out of their first four matchups are against tough opponents that they most likely will never have a chance against, you know, but I'm hoping that whatever uh, sparked them last Friday can still do the same against the Mustangs. But like you said, it's going to be another tough one uh, for the Rams. But before we make our predictions on that, I wanted to highlight a couple of players from the Rams because I thought they were going to pull it out. You know, uh, the the performance that they showed, I really thought that Maricopa was going to go home with the victory on Friday. Robert Knorr, a sophomore uh, who, who came in, uh, had to come in week one, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, went 10 for 19 for 119 yards. Receiver uh, Caleb Garcia, six receptions for 75 yards. And Mr. Ian Palm on the defensive end, 15 tackles, 12 of them solo, five tackles for loss, and one sack. The dude had a day. That's what this team is capable of if they put it all together. But do I think it's going to happen this week? Unfortunately not. I do feel that Sunrise is still one of those powerful teams, no matter what their record says. And uh, they're going to take it to the Rams. I just wanted to show that, you know what, these guys are capable of putting a good performance together. But what is your prediction? I got to say that like I said, it sucks that Maricopa had such a great game against Skyline, and then they have to follow that up with a game against the Sunrise Mountain Mustangs. I'm sorry, guys, but my only advice to you is, you know, keep them within reach. Keep them within check. Don't allow them to get in your head and for you to make, you know, simple mistakes that will be costly. It's going to be tough because I I don't think that Sunrise Mountain is going to come in there and take it easy on the Rams. But let's stay on the, the the same subject of the Rams because the Antelope Valley Rams played the Santa Cruz Dust Devils and they lost 7-53. to That's a really good turnaround for the Dust Devils. That's two wins in a row for Coach Tommy Cortez. So what were your thoughts in this game? I knew they had it in them. I never doubt a team when I see progress. And from that Coolidge game, all you have seen is progress each week after that. I think the score would have been a lot higher against North Point if uh, they didn't forfeit at halftime. And you've seen what they can do in four quarters when they take it to a team winning 53-7. to Now it's another opportunity for them to play a better quality opponent and be able to say, hey, these last two games weren't a fluke. You know, we have the ability to go out there and pick up victories. And I know Coach Tommy and his players have to be on a high, you know, because nobody expected them to uh, pick up, uh, you know, a couple of victories, especially the way the season started out. You know, and I don't even think we uh, gave them that opportunity except for uh, when uh, they played North Point. Now I just want them to continue that success and, you know, continue uh, to prove uh, people wrong. 
They currently sit uh, 27th in the rankings, a win over uh, their next opponent, Chandler Prep, who is 2-2 two and two on the year, would definitely help them in the rankings if they're able to pull this one out. But do you think the Dust Devils can pick up a win against the Knights? I think they can. And it's crazy because like you said, you know, a couple weeks ago, we weren't putting this type of respect on Santa Cruz's name. We thought that their season was done. I'm not, well, that, you know, me personally speaking, that's how I felt like their season was. But like you said, after the Coolidge game, they've shown nothing but improvement. This is a game that I feel is going to be really telling for the rest of the season. If Santa Cruz is able to put away Chandler Prep and put them away decisively, they were able to put away a team that their main rival, Sequoia Pathway, was not able to overcome. And it, it, it does a lot for that two-way ranking. Do you think that if Santa Cruz puts away Chandler Prep by a big margin that in the state rankings that they could have the ability to possibly jump ahead of Sequoia Pathway? Not with Sequoia Pathway sitting at 11. I don't think they'll jump up that high. I do think that it will definitely help uh, no matter what, you know, throughout the remainder of the season, as long as they're picking up wins as well, because I don't expect Chandler Prep to lose out the rest of the season. I do expect them to pick up some victories. And then if Sequoia Pathway uh, continues to win, that's not only helping Chandler Prep, that's helping Santa Cruz as well if they're able uh, to uh, finish off the Knights. I will agree with you. I think that Santa Cruz does have a chance to uh, pick up a victory. They're in the same boat as Sequoia Pathway. They're young, you know, but as long as they have the confidence in themselves to go out there and say, hey, we can do this, they just might. And, you know, I'm going to give them the edge in this one uh, just because Sequoia Pathway is pretty young as well. And for the Knights to struggle against them and not have Sequoia Pathway at 100% with their full roster, I, I really think, you know, if they did have that full roster, it would have been a different story. But at the same time, I think that uh, Santa Cruz has just enough uh, in order to uh, squeak by the Knights. So I'm going to stick with uh, Santa Cruz on this one. I'm glad you did. Now let's talk about another blowout game, but this blowout game was a shutout and something that we didn't expect, to be honest. No, definitely not. Poston Butte took down the Micah Mountain Thunderbolts 40 to zero. They, they not only stole their thunder, but they sent them back to Tucson lightless because how do you try to bring back a team that just lost 40 to zero in a game where they were expected to be a really good quality opponent. Post and Butte just proved that they were better and that they are one of the top 4A teams. And that's why they currently sit uh, ranked third in uh, 4A. You know, a lot of people hyped up Micah Mountain last year because of the opponents that they were playing. I mean, they barely beat Coolidge, so I didn't have that much hype for them. I love the school, don't get me wrong, but coming into this year, I think that they were overhyped that they were going to be able to come out and compete with a team like Post and Butte. And they did the complete opposite. And, you know, for for Post and Butte, we know that they can score at will on offense. We've seen that since week one. But then they uh, stepped it up again on the defensive end after only giving up 13 points last week in some bad weather. I thought overall you just saw how much better Post and Butte is than some of these other 4A teams. And like you said, these kind of overhyped 4A teams because, like you said, we only saw Micah Mountain one game. They had a lot of flash and flair because of, you know, their stadium setup. But, again, they, 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 their, their opponents that they played, which they eventually lost to, um, were the reason why they, they got so much respect. But this kind of takes back some of their, their credibility because even though Post and Butte is a really good team, a lot of people, you and I included, expected them to score at least a field goal. And and, and to get shut out, it, it just proves that Post and Butte is exactly one of the top three teams in our state for football in 4A. But maybe Micah Mountain needs to take a step back and, and maybe, you know, battle it out in 3A before they actually jump the gun and go into 4A. Yeah, I mean, their only victory is against a struggling Ironwood Ridge team. They beat them 28 to zero, you know, not bad, but then uh, they came and dropped a game against Bradshaw Mountain, another uh, quality playoff opponent, 41 to 14, and then lose to uh, Post and Butte 40 to zero. But either way it goes, like I said, at the end of the day, you got to give Post and Butte their respect that they deserve. And 
I think coming into this uh, week's matchup, they're going to do it again as they'll be taking on the Coconino Panthers uh, who sit at one and one on the year. Do you expect Post and Butte to do what they did to Micah Mountain to the Panthers this week? Mm, I'm thinking they are, bro. I'm going to set my lingo back a a couple years and say that Post and Butte's going to smoke that Coconino pack. No, I feel you. uh, You're definitely right. Um, Coconino uh, dropped a game against uh, a 3A opponent, 62-6 to in Blue Ridge. I mean, they barely lost to Arcadia, who's actually been surprising this year. Um, they lost 27-21. to But coming into this week, you're playing one of the top 4A teams, and I think Post and Butte, I mean, what Max Larson is starting to uh, contribute at the quarterback position is only going to help their run game. And we already know what – Gavin Thrower and uh, his uh, fellow uh, running backs are doing in that backfield. So to find out that they're starting to execute more in the pass game, it's only going to make uh, Post and Butte that much uh, more dangerous. Yeah, so we're both taking Post and Butte, right? Absolutely. All right, so let's move into the next game, which was a Pinal County showdown. It was the Apache Junction Prospectors taking on the Combs Coyotes. A game where we saw the prospectors getting the best of the Coyotes, 51 to 36. Um, Was this anywhere close to what you imagined the game would be, or was this a little bit off track? Well, the first half was off track, that's for sure. The final score, I can can live with that. I thought it would be a little bit more uh, of a gap, but the Combs Coyotes, man, like, let's give it up for them because not only were they hanging – with the prospectors, they were actually winning at a time. And, you know, like I said, that's what that first half threw me off. But at the same time, Apache Junction switched up the game plan in the second half and, uh, you know, got the best of Combs. But I'm actually more taken back about the progress of Combs than I am the results of the prospectors winning. How about yourself? I could see that, too, because it was a really good battle of the quarterbacks between Tanner Hale and Gavin Lee Mangello. Um, it, it, it was just like you said, it, it was surprising to see them ahead, you know, in the beginning, but in the end, when AJ was able to pull away, we were like, yep, that's, that's why they were ranked number one. That's why they're supposed to be the best school. And, and ultimately they won the battle of Ironwood and get to go into this bye week you know, pretty relaxed, but I'm curious to see what they do when they come back. But let's talk about what Combs has to look forward to coming into this week. Uh, They're going to be taking on uh, Bradshaw Mountain at home. Bradshaw Mountain is a tough playoff team. Uh, They currently sit at one and one, picking up a victory against uh, Micah Mountain, as we stated, and uh, dropping a game to Buckeye 34 to 22. Uh, You know, don't let the record fool you. They're definitely a tough team. But at the same time, I think that that Combs definitely has an opportunity to pick up a victory if they can play the same game that they did last week against Apache Junction, except for be able to play all four quarters and uh, eventually uh, shut down uh, Bradshaw Mountain. Who are you going to give the edge to in this matchup? Because I know our original pick was uh, Bradshaw Mountain, you know, as a no doubter. But seeing what we've seen of the Coyotes uh, so far in three games, do you think that they have an opportunity to pick up a victory? Yeah, the opportunity is definitely there. The window is there is it a big window not necessarily but you 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 don't need that big of a window when you have that much depth like the coyotes do and if they like they like you said if they continue to execute their plans granted their plans didn't go as well as they thought they would against aj but bradshaw mountain isn't that same type of team they are a team that is beatable and i think that this is a team that combs can't beat i'm not going to say it's going to be by a big margin by any means this is a game that they're going to have to squeak out and if they do squeak out they're going to be looked at a whole lot differently throughout the state so are you going to give the edge to bradshaw mountain or are you going to give it to combs i didn't get a clear answer so i just want to make sure my answer is combs i will give the edge to bradshaw mountain but i am definitely going to be rooting for combs on friday night because they are a well coached team they have the players to uh make a run i mean they're only at 18 they, they sit at 18 in the rankings uh, while Apache Junction's at 11. You know, so they, they're right in the thick of things. If they can put some wins together to definitely be a playoff team uh, come 
November. And wouldn't it be great to have them in the playoffs and somewhere along the way find their way back to AJ? Oh, that would be definitely a game of the week. I know that for sure. Uh, But let's move on into our next matchup, which was Gilbert Christian taking on ALA Ironwood. And unfortunately, yet again, ALA Ironwood has to lose another heartbreaker as they drop this game 34 to 27. How many heartbreakers are the Warriors going to have to face this season? I mean, I feel for them because their record does not show a one in three team. That's not what I see when I see their stats every week. I see a team that is competing and just coming up short. What are your thoughts? I see a team that is 14 points away from being four and zero because that's it. They, they put up a hell of an effort against a team that won a state championship last year in the Arizona Lutheran coyotes. They lose another game to Sierra Linda by two points. And then this one right here by just a touchdown. And, this was a game that I thought that Ironwood would actually take. I didn't think that Gilbert Christian, their experience was going to be enough because that's one thing that I saw that that was lacking from the past couple of years. Their experience level, it's it's not fully there. Um, granted, they, they, they scraped by and got a win, but nothing bad for the Warriors. They, they, you know, they're holding tough and, and they, they, you know, like you said before, they're going to get into the thick of it this part of the season. And I... I don't know. I feel like this next opponent that they're going to have is going to be really good for them because it's going to be a battle of who could be the better of the two. Because right now these they're they're in the same uh, region and they're going to be bouncing around the bottom because of how their performances have been right now. Um, that's not to say where they're going to be at the end of the year, but I know that this game is going to be crucial to find out who's on top of who at the end of the year. But before we dive into uh, the Warriors' next opponent, people are going to kind of just figure it out right now. Uh, Let's go into uh, Santan Foothills' uh, matchup against uh, Eastmark. Another uh, blowout loss for the Sabercats as they lost 42-0 after getting blown out the week before by Apache Junction. Are we starting to see how good Santan Foothills really is or lack thereof? Now that they're going up against quality opponents, or is it that they're just not up to par with these opponents, but they still can salvage their season? They they have a hard stretch ahead of them, but they definitely have a few games that they can come away with a win. Um, this next game, it, it's going to be one of those games, but it's going to be if it, if it is a game where they win, they're not going to win by a lot, and it's going to be a close one. This will be a game where the defense will need to hold the Warriors off. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that they weren't able to do against Eastmark. Eastmark came at them full force and just shut them out. Now let's let's dive into the game of the week. The game of the week for us this week is going to be the ALA Ironwood Warriors taking on the Santan Foothill SaberCats at Santan. Um, if you look at the numbers behind their their names, their current standings, ALA Ironwood is one and three, and Santan Foothills is two and three, but have lost their last two games by shutouts what is the possibility that ala ironwood goes into santan and shuts out the sabercats for a third straight game i don't know about shutout but i do think that they have the edge for me when it comes to picking up a victory giving up 98 points the last two weeks i know is not going to sit well with santan foothills and you know they're going to come out and ready to play and this should be an opponent that is at the same they're about the same level you know, um, the rankings won't say that uh, with San, uh, Santan Foothills being 18th and uh, ALA Ironwood being 30th. But from what I've seen the last few weeks from ALA Ironwood, I know they are itching to finally get over that hump and pick up a victory, pick up a victory against a quality opponent. And, you know, with the struggles of Santan Foothills and having absolutely nothing to show for in their past game this past week you know that they're hurting on the offensive end. So what does that make them? One-dimensional. So it's a lot easier for a quality opponent to come and shut them down by you know loading up the box and, and trying to uh, cover the run because you have not proven besides one week that you're able to pass the ball efficiently. So I think that coming into Friday night, I am going to give the edge to ALA Ironwood. I do think it's going to come down to the wire again. But I finally think that the Warriors have enough to get over the hump. Where are you siding with? 
See, that's tough. I, I want I want to say that ALA has, you know, suffered their fair share of heartbreak and, and they need to come into this game and and basically just grab the Sabercats by their teeth and just yank them out. But at the same time, I want to see the Sabercats bite down and, and, and get some retribution for these big losses that they've been dealt and, and beat a really good team. Because this is what I see. These teams are very equal to each other. If I had to give an edge to one, though, damn, I, I'm going to make a lot of boys in blue upset, but I got to go with the Warriors too, bro. And it's crazy. Just a few weeks ago, we were so hyped up with the Sabercats. I'm not saying that they can't pick up this victory because they definitely can. But I feel that from the amount of competition that the Warriors have had to face up to this far in the season. Now, granted, do I feel that the results would kind of be the same if they played Apache Junction or when they play Eastmark? Yeah, it definitely could. But at the same time, they're sticking in every single one of their games. And that has to mean something. You know, they're not getting the respect in the max preps rankings. But at the same time, I don't know if they see, you know, what they're doing on the field. Because to me, like you said, it's a team that can definitely be 4-0. and And that's the only reason is that in every single one of their games, they've been there to win it. Now it's time to get over that hump. So I think that that's why it means a little bit more to them because they've been so close where Santan Foothills was riding that high. And they got brought back to reality when they faced Apache Junction and Eastmark. So now they're kind of picking themselves up off the ground. And either way it goes, it's going to make for one hell of a matchup come Friday night. And I'm so excited to actually finally get out to Santan Foothills. This will be our first time being able to uh, say that we were at one of these games. Uh, You know, we didn't get to uh, follow them last year or, you know, get to cover them as much. So now coming into this year, it's a new school, a new environment, and I'm looking uh, for a, another dogfight uh, come Friday. But either way it goes, it, uh, you know, I'm very excited for this matchup. All right. But now that we discussed the game of the week and we went through all the recaps, let's talk about everybody's favorite part. Let's get into the breakout players of the week. Now, let's talk about our special teams player of the week first. This player comes from the Combs Coyotes and is none other than Hunter Clare. Congratulations, Hunter Clare. You are our VB Special Teams Player of the Week. Hunter had five returns for 92 yards and had a long of 52. It it doesn't get any easier when you're playing a tough opponent like AJ, but when you're able to perform like that, it, it shows a lot, doesn't it? It definitely does. And what do we say? You enter your stats... Whether you're on the winning end or you're on the losing end, if you're the top performer in that position, we're going to acknowledge you no matter what the outcome is, because at the end of the day, you know, we want you guys to know that your performances are not going unnoticed. All we need is a few numbers that need to uh, be uploaded to max preps and we're going to read them and we're going to look over them and we're going to sit here and discuss them. And, you know, that's why you're going to see, uh, you know, somebody from a losing in uh, Gavin Thrower week one against uh, Higley uh, was our uh, breakout player of the week, uh, even though they had lost that game. So, you know, just always know that we're always watching. As long as your stats are uploaded, we're going to be out there uh, looking at them and be able to uh, acknowledge you if you meet that criteria to be the breakout player of the week. All right. Well, speaking of stats and talking about, you know, putting up a good performance, even in a losing effort, let's talk about our defensive breakout player of the week. So our defensive player of the week is going to go to uh, the Maricopa Rams, Ian Palm, who uh, recorded 15 tackles, 12 solo tackles, five tackles for loss and one sack. He was a big part of the Rams holding um, Skyline to only 22 points. And I hope to uh, see this uh, progress uh, continue, uh, not only for Ian, but uh, for the rest of the Rams. You know, like I said, I think this was a big victory for them. And, you know, Ian's performance definitely does not go unnoticed. So congratulations, Ian. And we hope to uh, be able to see you here again uh, in the near future. But I know you're excited to uh, acknowledge one player because we know that this guy has been performing at a high level we just didn't see the numbers and weren't able to acknowledge him so it finally feels good to acknowledge this player and i'll give you the honors on uh doing that one 
Who is our offensive player of the week? Our offensive player of the week goes to Elterna Fatty Gant of the Casa Grande Cougars. Congratulations, bro. When you put up 233 passing yards, go 18 for 24, and get two tutties, that's a huge stat line. And not only that, when you rush for over 100 yards in just 11 carries, that shows that you were truly a force out there and a reason why the Central Bobcats couldn't stop you. Yeah, Alterna definitely uh, balled out, man. Congratulations uh, to you and to the rest of our uh, breakout players. But I think we've uh, spoken a little bit longer than uh, we normally like on an episode. But either way, man, it's been fun. Uh, I'm going to leave it uh, for some closing comments if you have anything. Uh, just don't forget our raffles. Um, we're going to have some new posts coming up soon to, li- to remind our, our fans of that. And not only that, we're coming down to the last bit of shirts. And once those shirts are, are done, they're gone. And then we're going to get ready to, to start our, our new designs and get your guys' input on that. Um, one thing I want to say is, is shout out to, to both the Florence and Coolidge communities. The, the way you guys showed out this past weekend was amazing. Um, I want to give another huge shout out to our Maricopa correspondent, Vincent Howe. Um, without you, buddy, we wouldn't have any type of insight on the Maricopa Rams. And I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon and getting a good picture of Ian because I'm going to need it. I, I can't thank you enough. And, 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 and let's talk about another person that I'm looking forward to meeting this Friday. Uh, Zach Melendez and, you know, our, our guy with the eye in Santan Valley. I can't wait to, you know, to dap him up to see what he's, you know, how he's holding up and what his thoughts are for the Sabercats coming in the future. It's definitely going to uh, make for a good week this week. Best of luck to uh, all the teams competing on Friday night. We wish you guys victory and as well as a healthy game. So uh, other than that, brother, um, I think we can end it right there. It's been a good episode, and I'll see you uh, on Friday night. Take it easy.